You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Cypher Christian Church. How's everybody doing today? All right. Good to see each and every one of you. Glad to have you here. Looking forward to our day. I just want to make a couple of announcements here before we get started. If you're a guest and this is maybe your first time here, uh, we are so thankful that you're here. We've been looking forward to you being here. We've been praying for you. And uh, we have a gift for you to show our appreciation for you here today. So on your way out, if you could fill out one of those little connection cards in the backs of the pews and take it by the welcome desk out there, we have a free gift for you just to say thanks. Uh, you could be doing so many other things here this morning, and we're glad you're here with us. We hope that this is a, a place where you feel at home, that this feels like family, and uh, that you're able to connect with the Lord and connect with other people around you. Um, we have uh, one thing that I want to highlight that's also in your bulletin. We have a longstanding relationship with the Winfern School here in uh, Cypher ISD. And this is a school we've partnered with over the last few years, and we have adopted these uh, these teachers, and we provide the supplies that they need. As you know, most teachers have to supply all of the stuff in their classroom themselves, and this is a way that we can sort of minister to them. And Winfern is a very special school. They, uh, they, they have a very unique purpose, and I want to direct your attention to the screen to find out a little bit more. These students, a lot of them really need to understand that failure is a part of life. And even though they have failed and failed, and some of them failed again, and are still failing, they're an 18-year-old freshman, anything like that, you can accept that you learn something and move on from there. I, I'll tell them anything about me that I think they can relate to, and not. And most of it's my failures. You know, I'll talk about my times in the Marine Corps and the fact that most of it I did not enjoy. Well, the nature of an infantryman is I fought. Right, like an infantryman, I was a rifleman. I basically went through, patrolled through cities looking for the bad guys. You tell someone you're a Marine, suddenly you are the toughest, meanest person they've ever met, even if you're not. So that when they see someone that they regard as tough and unbreakable or whatever those Marines are, who's willing to be vulnerable and show their weaknesses and tell them about their failures and be kind to them, I think it helps them understand that it's possible to have multiple sides to yourself. So these teachers at Winfern are doing amazing things with these students, and we have a table set up out there. We're going to run it for an extra week, and so if you can, grab one of the little pieces of paper on there. It has a list of supplies that that teacher is requesting, and you can adopt that teacher and bring the supplies back uh, this week or this coming Sunday. I'm going to ask Greg and Donna Jugelard to come up here at this time. Why don't you welcome them as they come? Donna, Greg, how are y'all doing this morning? Good, good. Good? Good to see you guys. She took your seat? She took my seat. I'm telling you. Now, Greg, um, there's a bunch of people watching you this morning. Uh, You don't mind that one bit, do you? Not at all. Not at all. So guys, Greg and Donna have served as missionaries here at CFC um, through um, this body for some time. And some of you might not know it, but they are preparing right now um, to launch out as missionaries in France. Now, quite honestly, um, when we think of France, I don't think the first thing we think of is missionaries. Um, So why France? And does God really need missionaries? 
in France? You know, Dale, when we think about France, we think of a modern, advanced, a very attractive society, and we think about a place that has uh, developed over the years. We think about a place that is just bringing a lot of things to the world, such as art, music, fashion, cinema, and of course, the French cuisine. But when we think about the spirituality of France, we see a darker picture. We see something that, that really, it, just, it needs to be taken care of by God. Uh, in France right now, it's, it is the fourth most atheistic country in the world. Wow. Um, in fact, in France, there are more registered occult workers, which are faith healers, fortune tellers, than there are pastors. These occult workers make as much money as a general practitioner in medicine. And so we see the people in France really kind of looking for answers, but they're looking down a dead-end road. The church plant in Lyon, where we will serve, offers the light of Jesus. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, You are the light. A house set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so we see this church plant in Lyon really shining that light of love, light and love of Jesus Christ. We are there to offer this light and love. In the church plant we have right now, God has called former atheists to the church. He has awakened people who only attended church twice a year at baptisms or funerals. And God has also transformed the lives of those people who were caught in the occult. And so we see this light and love of Jesus shining through this church plant in Lyon. It's really pretty incredible as we think about it. And especially uh, more occult fortune tellers, this group of people, um, than there are um, pastors in France. Um, Donna, tell us about what some of you guys' responsibilities will be as you serve um, the church there in Lyon. So um, first off, we'll be um, attending language school again. Uh, we are continuing our language studies. Right now we're at an intermediate level. Uh, we want to be at a more advanced level. That way we can speak more freely to the French people in their heart language. Um, also, uh, we hope to have a home group Bible study in our apartment uh, after we arrive. Um, and of course, Greg will be teaching and I'll use my gift of hospitality to make tea and cookies and just make everyone feel welcome there. So um, also, I'm a knitter, so I'm hoping to get involved in the community through a um, class. There's a few yarn stores there, so I'm hoping to get involved in classes there to get involved with the community. I know one thing for sure, you guys will be very, uh, very busy. And I also know, uh, based on our interchanges and uh, videos, that the pastor there is very excited about you guys hitting the ground and um, working alongside them. You know, your relationship is not just about being missionaries to France. You've had a long relationship with us. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get everything. We've been involved in missions for the last six years. Cypher has been our prayer warrior and a financial partner from the beginning. Through your gifts of tithes and offerings to Cypher, Greg and I have been able to serve in Quebec, in Congo, and now in France. Cypher is our sending church and our largest financial partner. 
Through the mission budget, SciFair provides 10% of our funding. We are very thankful for SciFair for being long and faithful partners in God's ministry to French-speaking people of the world. I would like to add, not only does SciFair partner with us financially, but also through prayer and physical needs. Members of the body of Christ have provided food and shelter for us while we are stateside. They have provided furniture and household items so that we could have our own space. They have provided countless prayers over the years, which are felt and answered. Prayer is indeed the most important part of mission work. We are so blessed by your financial partnership with us in world mission, but most of all, we are blessed by your prayers for us as we serve God in France. Um, Just thank you, everyone in this room, for being uh, part of this mission. I think a lot of people don't really realize that um, they, each and every one of you, um, who give to Cypher Christian Church, um, regular givers, uh, through your tithes and offerings, um, you directly support um, the Juglards, you directly support the Hardens, you directly support the Pancrats overseas, you supported Lane and Kelly um, when they served on the field as well. And so it's pretty incredible that each of us literally are partners with you in God's kingdom work. Yeah, I'd like to add also, you know, just echoing what Donna was, was saying, you know, we do believe in prayer and prayer is, I think, the most important part of the, the, or the Christian walk. Um, it, it allows us to communicate with God, but more importantly, God shapes our hearts through prayer. And that prayer that you guys have offered up for us, so many times, uh, it, you, you will never know really how much it has affected us. Uh, it has got us through some pretty dark times, but at the same time, we have learned from that. And your prayers just answer everything that God has given us. And we thank you for that. Now, we give out a newsletter, send it out probably four times, maybe five times a year. And through these newsletters, what we do is we share our ministry, we share the events that are going on in our lives, as well as we offer prayer requests that are sent out to you guys. Now, if you would like to be on the list to receive our newsletters, there should be an email address coming up here pretty soon. That's my email address or on the back of the little cards, uh, gjuglard at hotmail.com. I would encourage you to go ahead and join with us in this ministry because you're a part of it. You're our family. And we love you guys. And so just sign up, send me an email, and if you want to receive it, email, let me know. If you want to receive it as snail mail, put your address, and I can also add that to our distribution list. And again, I would just welcome and challenge you to join us in this ministry as we go to shine that light and love in in Lyon, France. Cannot say enough how prayer makes a huge difference uh, in your ministry. Uh, We believe that he who has begun a good work in you is going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And when we saw you guys going through some very difficult times, we also saw prayers answered and um, incredible healing come even in the midst of those hard times. Um, Just specifically, Greg and Donna are about $1,100 away um, from being able to step out, fly to France and begin their ministry. That sounds like a tremendously large amount of money. But if you break it down, uh, it's an amount that can easily uh, be overcome. 
I know that for some of you, $100 a month is not something you're able to do, but some of you, um, that would be very easy to do. 11 people giving $100 a month would meet this need. Um, Something that I think is easier to get your mind around, 22 people giving $50 a month. Um, By the way, one-time gifts are good, but they have to... um, Um, take care of needs on a monthly basis. So monthly pledges are fantastic. Uh, I know for many of you, you could give up Diet Cokes for a month and that might be 50 bucks. Now I don't drink Diet Coke, so that's not a good thing for me, right? That was a joke. Uh, (laughs) It's easy for me to tell you what you can give up, but you know, I have to figure out something else for myself to give up. But um, if you will look at these cards on the back, it tells you specifically um, how you can give to help this ministry that God has called Don and Greg to. I'm going to ask those taking up the offering to come forward at this time. And I'd like to pray uh, for God's continued blessing in Don Don and Greg's work and um, continued blessing upon CFCC. Um, Let's worship him through giving right now. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessing in our lives. Father, we thank you um, that you own everything. And we are simply investors in your Father, we thank you for your incredible love that you demonstrated to us um, by sending your son our Savior, our King, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. We pray that you would help us to sense uh, your presence in this place. Father, we pray that you would um, remind us that you know us by name. And Father, I know There are people in this place. Um, I've already heard stories um, who are struggling today, who are going through difficult times today. Father, I pray that you might encourage them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we begin a mini-series entitled um, This Is Us, and it's actually This Is Us Season 2. All right. And uh, how many of you, I'm just curious, have watched this um, series, This Is Us? Raise your hand. Uh, That's a good number of people. You know, some of you might binge watch it. That's the new thing, right? Uh, You spend a weekend and you watch a whole season of a particular show. Uh, If you're a binge watcher, I'm not going to ruin season two. You might want to catch up. Uh, I ruin uh, movies for our staff from time to time. Y'all get it? Uh, I ruin television series for our staff sometime. I get excited and I tell them um, the key points of the story and all of it. Come on, Dale. Um, that's Travis in particular, right? And, uh, but So I'm not going to ruin it for you uh, this morning. Needless to say, season two is a pretty dynamic um, storyline. That's it. Zip my mouth, right? All right. But This Is Us, if you've not seen it, is a story about a 
um, family and you look at this family through the eyes of, through the lens of several multiple generations. So you go backwards and you go forwards and you you look at um, the birth of children who are now, they're triplets in the story, even though they're not biological triplets, but they were born on the same day. One of them was adopted. It's a crazy story. And, but the story tells us and teaches us and shows us joy. Um, it shows us deep family relationships, um, but it shows us heartache. It shows us pain. It shows us the reality of life. It shows us marriage breakups. It shows us relational breakups. It gives us hope. It helps us maybe even to see our own lives a little differently. You know, the church, the church is in many ways like this show, This Is Us. Church life is marked by joy. Church life is marked by victory. Church life and and our relationship with one another is marked by triumph, right? But it's also marked by frustration sometimes. Disappointment sometimes. Even loneliness. Sometimes... We might walk in this place in a crowd of people and feel all alone. Feel like we're the only one struggling um, with a particular, a particular issue. Um, seldom, if ever, is that the case. We are a community of believers. You are not intended to live life alone on an island. Um, God created you to live in relationship. Here's a few statistics. Um, One third of Americans experience intense loneliness on a regular basis. One third. And this loneliness is credited for a high level of suicides among senior adults. Um, One author, um, Robert Putman, uh, he's the author of Bowling Alone. He says that the average American family engages in 13 commutes. This is just hard for me to get my mind around. My family's a little different today where it was years ago. But 13 commutes on a daily basis, right? Says the average person, when they do commute into work, 80% of them commute alone by themselves. Alone. So the only communication they have is by hand gestures, which isn't always so good, right? Right? And on the cell phone, which also isn't so good. There's another um, statistic that shows that social isolation contributes to illness and death as much as smoking does. So I guess the moral of the story is don't smoke alone, right? (laughs) Just joking. Another statistic. 232 patients 
had heart surgery, major heart surgery. 21 of the patients died within six months. They had two things in common. The first thing they had in common, these 21 patients, they did not have any social connections. They were very much alone in life. Second common factor in their lives They indicated in the survey prior to this that they had no religious faith, no faith connection. God created each and every one of us to live life, to do life in relationship with others. And he created us as spiritual beings. First principle today. From the beginning, God designed us and hardwired us for community. If you have your Bible, we're just going to look very quickly at a few passages. Genesis 1. Genesis 1. If you just want to listen along, feel free to. The Bible says, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Then God said, let who? Let us. Let us create man in our own image. So before I even talk about the community need that we have, look at the fact that God dwelt for all eternity in community. I hope you realize that Jesus did not come into existence when he came to earth and was born of a virgin. Jesus existed for all eternity. John says, in the beginning was the word and the word Jesus was with God and he was God. The Bible says that the spirit of God hovered over creation At the very beginning, God lived in community prior to creation. On the sixth day, let's look a little later. On the sixth day, God created man. And in chapter 2, verse 18, we read, Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. We were not created to be alone. In fact, it's not good for us to live lonely, isolated lives. And so God created Eve. And he placed them in an incredible garden, a perfect place. And the Bible says that God walked and talked with them. They had a close relationship with God and they had a close relationship with one another. But the day came when they said, we're not going to listen to God. We're going to choose our way over God's way. We're going to rebel and do things the way we want to do things. That resulted in two, two things. First, they were booted. They were banished out of the garden. 
and the relationship with God was broken and the relationship with one another was strained terribly because immediately they started blaming each other um, for what they had done. The fall, the fact that man chose his way over God's way has forever been a challenge for us to have the relationships that God created us to have. Selfishness, self-centeredness, again, wanting my way over God's way, looking out for my rights, me, my, and mine, always undermines community. Just because this happened in the beginning, though, God's vision of having a people of his own never ended. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. In verse 1 and 2, the Bible says God spoke to Abraham and he told him to leave his country, leave his land, and to leave his people. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then in verse three, he says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's forming a people of his own. The Israelites found themselves in captivity in Egypt. God calls up Moses to rescue his people. Moses returns to Egypt to rescue his people and things actually get worse and the people are very upset. Pharaoh says, um, you, you think you're going to push against me? Then um, people of Israel, you've been making bricks, but I'm going to take the straw from you. Now make bricks without straw. And it says the people were very upset with Moses. But look what God says. Exodus, Exodus. Chapter six, verse seven. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Again, God raising up a people of his own. Fast forward, the church of Jesus Christ is God raising up a people of his own. The point is, though, God from the beginning of creation has been raising up a people. Today, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you are part of the people of God. Just as Abraham was to bring glory to God, just as God was making him a mighty nation through whom all the people of the earth shall be blessed, you and I are blessed to be a blessing to all those around us.
Randy Frazee says these words. Community is not a nice-to-have addition, but an essential experience for living a godly and healthy life. God intended for humans to have rich, life-giving relationships with each other, relationships energized and motivated by the actual presence of God among them. Not only are we created and hardwired for community, but we are part of a love story, an incredible love story. And this is the love story that surrounds us as the people of God who were bought through an incredible price, the price Jesus paid when he gave his life on the cross. Um, We are connected supernaturally. Um, We are part of a love story. If you would look at Ephesians, Ephesians, this is a long passage. I'd kind of like you to turn in your Bible if you have one. Um, Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse three through 10. Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 10. Uh, Make no doubt about it, you are a part of the most incredible love story ever told. Um, God loves you incredibly and spared no expense um, that you might have a relationship with him. Verse three, Um, by the way, this passage is very challenging. Uh, It has some concepts in it that will stretch us and we're focusing on the most basic things in the passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I don't know about you, but it's always felt good in my life when I was chosen, right? When I was a little kid, if I was chosen to be on a particular team, it felt incredible. If you're chosen at work for a special project, it feels pretty good. If you're chosen by your professor um, to be a grader or to be an intern, right? It feels fantastic. But we're not chosen by a human being. The Bible says we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. It continues. In love, he predestined us for what? Adoption. If I took a poll, there'd be many people in this room who are adopted. It's an incredible blessing to be adopted into someone's family. God has adopted all of us who claim the name of Jesus as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved Jesus Christ. In him we have redemption. A price has been paid through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. 
which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Guys, that passage, it's big, but there are key words in it. God loved us. He chose us. He knew us from the foundation of the earth, from the beginning. He adopted us. He loves us. He paid an incredible price that we might be part of his people. He's forgiven us. Not some of the things we've done wrong, all of the things we've done wrong. I want us to read the same passage in another translation, the message translation. Let's look at that now. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid the earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, the blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. Free of the penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on his plans. He took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on the planet Earth, everything brought together in him. Now, guys, that's incredible love. Titus, Titus, very simple passage, 2.14. Jesus Christ, it was he who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. A people for himself. Abraham, a people for himself. Moses, a people for himself. The church of Jesus Christ, a people for himself. John Stott writes these words. The church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. 
for his purpose conceived in a past eternity being worked out in history and to be perfected in a future eternity. It's not just to save isolated individuals and so perpetuate our loneliness, but rather to build his church. That is to call us out of the world a people for his own glory. We are a family. We're a family. We're connected relationally. Family lives differently than those who are not family. At least they should. Should they not? The church is family. In fact, if you really want to push the fact based on what Jesus says, we have more in common spiritually than those that are biologically connected to us. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, speaking to a crowd of people. And his mother and brothers were looking for him. And then he looked at the crowd. You are my brothers and my sisters. If we are brothers and sisters of Jesus, we're brothers and sisters of one another. In God's word, I want us to just look in machine gun fashion at several passages of scripture. These scriptures teach us how we're to live as family with one another. Look at these passages. They're very short. Not this passage. That's the one about Jesus and his siblings looking for him. As the Father has loved me, now watch the one another words, so I've loved you, abide in my love. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor to each other. I don't know what it looks like in your life to honor someone, But that is how we're to treat one another in the body of Christ. Owe no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome each other. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Honor one another, forgive one another, love one another, serve one another. There's three times as many passages on the one another implications of us being the family of God. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens is easier than this next verse. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. You ever had to bear with a family member? 
That's a hard thing to do, is it not? By the way, I can talk about my family members, but I don't want you talking about my family members, right? See, we should have a common bond as the people of God, as the family of God that meets in this place that we stand up for one another and we care when someone speaks bad about a brother and sister in Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Last verse. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Surely you know how to encourage someone. Surely you know how to um, pay attention to what they're going through in life. Don't just say, don't just say in a hollow foul, it's all going to get better, Right? Let them know you love them. Let them know you're praying for them. Maybe you've been right where they are right now. Let them know life, life goes on. Encourage, build up. Don't build yourself up by putting others down. Build others up by humbling yourself and loving them as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'd like to share a quote with you, Larry Crabb. Ordinary people. Now think of all the things we just said, the one another passages. Ordinary people have the power to change other people's lives. The power is found in connection, that profound meaning when the truest part of one's soul meets that emptiest recesses, meets the emptiest recesses in another and finds something there. When life passes from one to the other, when that happens, the giver is left more full than before and the receiver less terrified, eventually eager to experience even deeper, more mutual connection. Being there for someone is not these two items. It's not advice. You know, um, sometimes I get in trouble at home because I want to fix things and Jennifer's telling me about a problem and I want to offer advice, right? I want to help by solving the problem. Many times, people around us, they don't want you to solve their problem. They just want you to be with them and listen to them and love them right where they find themselves. We don't have to be professional counselors to help someone. We don't have to diagnose someone's problem to help someone. I believe in counseling, but the majority of us are not counselors. We're ordinary people. And God's given us the opportunity to love someone. Now be careful by the next thing I'm going to say. But um, I'm not talking about teaching someone. Reading a verse to someone every time they're struggling. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we place more guilt on someone when we do that. Because they already are, are, are down. They're already struggling and, and we place guilt upon them. They need our presence 
more than anything else in their lives. C.S. Lewis writes, Christ works on all of us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. The church exists for no other purpose but to draw men into Christ, to make them all Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, mission sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Several years ago, um, I was among a group of people and we started using a term refrigerator friends. Do y'all know what refrigerator friends are? Any of y'all have young children? Their friends come to your house? Their friends go into your refrigerator and get something to drink, get a snack, and you think nothing about it. At least most parents don't, right? It's the same thing, but they're adults. They come into our house and they're so close to us, they're family to us, and if they open up our fridge and get something to drink, we're not insulted by that. We don't think anything about that. If they're hungry, you might say, well, that's a little forward. They go into your pantry and get a snack, but I have friends like that in my life. And I've had friends like that in my life for many years refrigerator friends. They're the people who I call at two in the morning if I have a problem. Do you have people like that in your life? If you don't, we have an opportunity for you to build relationships like that. Uh, Kevin talks a lot about life groups here at CFCC. If we're the church, if we're the body of Christ, if we're the family that lives here, brothers and sisters in Christ, then we need to leave our islands of isolation and enter into relationships with each other. It's not the same as coworkers at work. It's different. We're family you spend more time with your coworkers than sometimes with your biological family. You spend more time with your biological family than you do with your church family. So you have to value it through your actions, not just through your lip service. Every Sunday, our servers come forward and they serve the Lord's Supper. We call the Lord's Supper, another word, communion, communion. I'm going to ask them to come forward at this time and prepare for communion. And as they do, I want you to see that relationship, communion, community, communion, community. We take from the bread, and in many churches, one loaf, they take from a common loaf, and that one loaf represents the body of Christ. Communion, community. We who are many become one body through Christ. Listen to what Paul writes. 
in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. Let's pray. Father, we in this room come from every walk of life. The poor, the rich. We're different colors. We were born in different places. And yet our common bond is found in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the incredible love that you demonstrated in sending your son. Thank you that you bought us with an incredible price. Thank you that we are now free to experience life, life that is full, life that is overflowing. Thank you that you have forgiven all of our trespasses, all of our sins. Father, we thank you that this bread reminds us that Jesus, our perfect Savior, left heaven's throne and came to this earth and walked among mankind. He took on the form of a servant. He died a cruel death on a cross that we might be called your children. Father, may we who are many claim the fact that we are one in Christ. Father, may we cultivate the relationships, the opportunity to grow deeper with brothers and sisters through good times and bad times, through the highest highs and the lowest lows. Father, may we claim who we are as your people. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us and we celebrate your love at this table of grace this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer partners are up here as well. If you have a need in your life, I encourage you um, to share your burdens and let your brothers and sisters in Christ bear your burdens and lift you up in prayer. Let's celebrate Christ right now. As we just kind of continue in this posture of prayer and worship and gratitude, with your eyes bowed, If you're in here and you're struggling and you feel isolated and you feel alone and you feel by yourself, we want you to know that you're not. If there is a community of people around you that are reaching out to you now and who love you 
and want to share your burdens with you. That said, we're still broken people and we stumble and we fall too, but we want to do this together with you. And so if you feel all alone, today is a day we want to invite you to be a part of a community that's so much bigger than you. Life is better in community. It's better when we're together. And so we want to invite you to be a part of this family of God, to know Jesus Christ, to know this bond that we share, to know peace, to know joy in the midst of whatever circumstance, whatever heartbreak, whatever devastation. Jesus can be your peace. And so we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessing of community. Lord, remind us of this blessing and convict us as we we strive to be a part of it, Lord. May we go out of here and bless your name with the way that we follow Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.